With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to the program where we are sending as many good vibes to Patrick Mahomes as possible so he can come back next weekend for the Chiefs game. Today on the program... My guest is Richard Schnitzel. He is a thought leader in the area of business automation, and he's going to share some great tips on doing better automation in your business so everything can be done more efficiently and effectively. And I will be showcasing culture this entire month in our leadership and business lesson later on on the importance of how you're enforcing the rules on a daily basis in your culture. That's all today on Better Than Before, brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The 2021 Subaru Forester. A spacious interior with everything you need for confidence on the road ahead. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. It's the SUV for all you love. Test drive one of these today and you could drive one home tonight. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to the Better Than Before show. I'm your host, Tony Richards, and today my guest is Richard Schnitzel, and he owns and operates a done-for-you automation company helping six-figure entrepreneurs build the automation they need to scale their businesses to seven figures and beyond. He had a previous career as a mechanical engineer, and he worked across all aspects of business, from sales and estimating to project management and high-end design. Those experiences and a unique ability to communicate with right brain creative thinkers has allowed him to understand what you do, how you do it, and most importantly, why you do it. 
and this helps him leverage the power of technology and save you time with automation while still maintaining the authenticity of your business. Rich's automations are responsible for reclaiming thousands of hours in entrepreneurs' businesses, and he believes automation doesn't have to be a dirty word and created the concept of authenticity. How do you say that, Richard? Authentious automation. Authentious. Okay, I was going to ask you about it later on, so I'll keep that in mind. Now I know how to say it. Automation <laughs> to help entrepreneurs level up their business through the power of technology. Uh, wanted to get uh, some some business people on uh, the show this year to really help, especially in this era of COVID, uh, some things that could really help people. And Richard's concepts can, can really do that. Richard, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to speaking with you. You bet. Uh, so how's the weather in Connecticut today? Well, if you're just looking through a window, you would believe that it's about 70 or 80 degrees outside, but it's actually somewhere closer to mid-30s. Oh, wow, yeah. It's close close to what it is here. We've got mid-30s going on, but uh, we're heading into January, so <clears throat> you never know around here. January and February. January and February is just stick your hand in the pot and pull something out, you know? Yeah, any day that it's above freezing at this point in the year, I, I consider pretty good. Good. Well, listen, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you and your previous career as a mechanical engineer. How did you come to the place where you are now, where you decided to start helping people automate their businesses? Yeah. So as you said, uh, I have a background in mechanical engineering, uh, which really helped me how to think. Uh, part of engineering is taking a problem that has a bunch of different information around it where you don't need all of the information that's in front of you and figuring out how to solve a solution that nobody's ever come up with the answer for yet. Well, very open-ended. And you know, I, I started out my career as a field engineer designing uh, piping systems and water treatment facilities and then worked in estimating and sales. And I've, I've seen so much of different businesses and I always worked for smaller organizations that allowed me to get a view into the way that businesses were run that were beyond just what my job description was. And through those experiences, you know, I always had something that I thought could be done differently or that if it was my company, you know, I would have made different decisions. And I reached a certain point where that catalog of things that I've seen that I would have done differently, I thought that I had learned enough that, you know, why don't I try to do this on my own? And you know, the company that I started originally had uh, very little to do with automation and uh, had more to do with, you know, marketing, which I was quite frankly terrible with. But what it gave me the opportunity to do was to work with people and help them with the tech in their marketing. And I followed this path of just being you know, honest with myself of what I was enjoying doing and what I was really good at doing. And I found this awesome little niche of helping people who have this business that and oftentimes they started because they were really good at doing something and somebody offered them money to do it. And three months goes by, a year goes by, and three years goes by, and they have this amazing business, but they were always just doing what they knew how to do. And 
they didn't have the vocabulary or the knowledge to understand what the possibilities of tech might be in the frame of reference of what they were doing. And I found that I was really good at having that conversation with people, starting from just that, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Asking a couple of questions to pull out those key points in their workflow that drive everything about their business and then translating for them you know, the, the language of technology in a way that they could understand and they could make valid and beneficial decisions for their company. Uh, I see a lot of people who kind of go down the path of tech and they know enough to be dangerous, but they don't have the tools to get beyond that. So you know, they'll get sold on something because they'll talk to some you know, slick salesman who's good at talking and they'll promise them the world and the product may actually work really great. You know, it's not that the salesman was being dishonest, but they didn't have an appropriate understanding of what the product did and how it fit in with what they were doing in their business. And you know, if they're being sold on using 100% of a program, they're using only 10% of it. And to them and their viewpoint, that becomes a failure. So I'm sure you have a process that you take business owners through to help them discover a lot of things to put this in place. But I want just for the benefit of our audience today, um, what does a business owner need to know if they're thinking about automating? They need to start with the idea that there's a better way to do what they're doing than the, kind of the traditional answer of, if I get more work, I'll just work more hours and I'll sleep a little less or I'll hire a couple of extra people and I'll, you know, I'll just grow my team. Mm. You can use automation to be more efficient in what you're doing and what you're doing will create a better result. So the idea of efficiency and efficacy in your business is what you're doing is what you're automating going to result in something better at the end of this process. So do you have, do you have a example company that you can share with us to kind of give us an idea of what, you know, practicality of what you're talking about? Yeah. So uh, let's take an example of sales intake, you know, something that everybody needs to intake sales. And for the most part, that process is very similar across most companies. You have a lead that comes to you, there's a nurture sequence that may, that's unique to you of how you find them, you convince them that you're the person that they need to be talking to, and then they show up, whether it's an email or a phone call, or they show up on your doorstep and say, hi, uh, I wanna work with you. And you need to take them in, you need to get a bunch of information from them, you need to decide what product it is that you're selling them, and then you need to provide them that product and onboard them into your company. Right? That's basic workflow, and you can change that around for a bunch of different people. The problem that happens with people is if you're doing that entirely manually, you reach a point where whoever is doing that reaches task saturation for their job. And task saturation is the idea that you can be doing so much and trying to pay attention to so many touch points that if I asked you what your name was, you would say, hold on, 
let me finish this and I'll answer your question, right? And what we can do with automation is so if you have your workflow is somebody calls you up on the phone, they say, hey, I want to you know, get my house painted. Okay, great. Uh, what's your name, your email, your number? What time can I send somebody out to take a look at your house and give you an estimate? That might take five, 10 minutes of a conversation with somebody that you can have your receptionist doing. They might get you know, a call an hour, not a lot, right? You would never think that that would be task saturation, but they're also responsible for doing a bunch of other things in your business. And part of what causes task saturation is having to hold different items in your head at once. So if they were creating, working on a presentation for you for your next big call with your client, they were trying to book some travel for you. They were searching for a venue because you wanted to have a, you know, a get together and they were trying to order lunch for Friday for your team because they've been working really hard and they're taking in a couple calls an hour. What's gonna happen is one, those intake calls are gonna to start to take longer because they're starting to get a, a little bit flustered when they call and like you kind of have to take your breath and go, okay, what am I doing? And then when they stop, it's going to take them longer to get back to what they were doing because they have to take another moment, pause and go, okay, what was I working on? Where was I in that project? Okay, this is where I am, let me start. If instead of doing that intake call entirely manually, we could change that process to on your website, there's a place for somebody to click a time that they're available for somebody to come out and take a look at their house and say what they want to get done painting, you know, maybe you do a couple things, different things, painting, reciting, and re-roofing. They can tell you what they're interested in. They can book a time. You can link that calendar to your group of salesmen who go out and do the estimates. You can catalog that information in your CRM so that you know your entire team knows what's going on. And then you can take all of that data and put a report out at the end of the week so you as the business owner know what happened in your business. And you can still have a way for your receptionist, if somebody gets a call, to take care of that. But we give her a form to enter in the information. And then all of that stuff still happens at the same time. And what we've done is put a person at the beginning of the step, done a bunch of different things, and then put a person at the end of the step. And all that stuff in the middle is taken care of by the automation. And we still have that personal touch at the beginning and we still have that personal touch at the end. Hmm, that's interesting. Now, I was listening to you uh, explain that. I'm sure there are people in our audience that are thinking, well, I've got an appointment uh, uh, appointment uh, area on my website to set appointments and things like that. But I'm thinking with every type of process or every type of idea, there has to be a good way to do it and a bad way to do it, right? So what what does good automation look like? The good automation is something that can pass that litmus test of, is this more efficient? 
and is the efficacy of what we're doing increasing? And the other, and the efficiency is easy to answer and the efficacy is the hard part to answer. And that efficacy comes down to the idea of a person at the beginning and a person at the end. To me, when I think about automation, it's not the robocalls to a thousand people on a list and it's not the big complex system that runs on its own and I have no idea what's going on. It just kind of sits over there and does its thing. It's taking that initial touch point, understanding that what we do is always the same, but we need, and we just need to get it done, making all of that happen and then giving the next person in line the information that they need to get their job done. So in the example of somebody booking a call, just the act of taking all of that information, putting it into a template and creating, sending that to in an email to the person responsible for the call. Hey, this person booked the call. This is, that's everything's going on. And let me look in the CRM and find out what they did last time and give you all the information that you need on their last project or their current project. Yeah. I, I get frustrated when I get knee deep into a phone tree, you know, and I'm, I'm punching one and then I'm punching four and then I'm punching seven and then I'm punching five and, <laughs> and then they're too busy to talk to me. Right. Right. And, and so I, I think I'm picking up on what you're saying here is that you have the human being touch at the beginning, and then the last thing is going to be a human being touch too, which is going to take the sting out of all the um, other stuff in the middle, right? Exactly. That's great. Now, we're back to this term you invented. So, authenticious automation. So, yep. what so what'd you have in mind when you came up with that? Uh, so, that is the combination of authentic and conscious. So authentic, obviously, is that idea of a human at the beginning and a human at the end, right? I, I never wanted to build something for somebody that made them feel like they were doing their clients a disservice, right? And I, I saw it a lot as, as you kind of build stuff and you talk with people. It's like, yeah, but I always want to give them a custom message. Yeah, but you know, aren't they going to get mad that they can't get in contact with me? I hate, as you said, getting knee deep into a phone tree of punching a bunch of numbers mm -hmm. and then I can't get in touch with who I want to and I have to leave a voicemail. Why can't I? Like That, that doesn't work for me. So how do we leverage technology to benefit us and still have that, that touch point? You know, as an engineer, there's a whole bunch of ethics that I learned about being an engineer in college. And one of the points of that that always stuck with me was this idea that I have a responsibility as a creator of new things to create responsibly, to consider the repercussions of what I suggest and what I create for people and how it may affect them and the people that they are working with. And if I'm going to do that correctly, I need to be authentic about what we're trying to achieve and maintain the authenticity of who they are in their business, especially when they're coming from a place of not really having automation and having an understanding of how these things interact. And so, and the second part of that, the conscious part of that is being intentional about having a conversation with the people that I'm working with about what we're building, why we're building it, and what 
the outcome of that is, because I think that that's a, a part of the conversation that gets left off a lot. It's we get really excited about the thing that we can build because it is really cool what's possible. And we forget to take a step back and think about what we're doing. You know, we, we start at 30,000 foot view, we get really down into the minutia, and then we never come out. And then at the end, we look back and there's this incredible thing that's been created. But if you had just popped your head back out to 30,000 feet a couple times in the build process, what comes out of it would have been so much more beneficial and so much more valuable. You know, one of the things I've observed over the years is that uh, it doesn't really matter if you change your phone system or if you change your computer software or maybe you change your computer system or change anything. I, it doesn't matter what it is. You can change anything in your company and you're going to get some unhappy employees. You're going to get some employees that are going to push back on you. So in putting this automation in place for businesses, how do you handle the employee pushback aspect? Yeah, it's a great question. It's certainly a big concern. The start of handling the employee pushback is putting yourself in their shoes and asking yourself the question, what am I assuming that is different from my employees? Right? You as a business owner are have this grand idea of what's going on. And you're thinking about, okay, we can get more business, which means we're going to make a little bit more money, which means I can pay my employees more, which means uh, they can, I can pay them the same amount and they can work less or we can all get more money, right? They just look at this as you're trying to take my job or, you know, I did it this way. Now I have to learn something completely new. My life is going to be harder because I can't do this, or I don't understand the tech. I'm not going to be able to do this. And the easiest way to solve that is do two things. One, get them involved really early on in this process. Right? This should not be created in a vacuum. The idea needs to come from you. The start of this process needs to come from you, but then you need to sketch out what's going on. And if it involves your receptionist, ask them, okay, this is what I think that you're doing in your job. This is what I want to do to make your job easier. And this is what I want you to do because we made your job easier. Give them the full picture and communicate effectively with them what that is. Then get them to give their input on where you're wrong. And, if, and you may not be able to do this yourself as well. I've worked with people who can't have that conversation because they don't get the re correct response from their employee, but they can have that conversation with you know, a group of three and four employees all at the same level. And then somebody comes back to the business owner and says, okay, this is what we figured out. In every instance where I have seen pushback by employees, we have always gotten back to a assumption that the employee made and the business owner made that don't align. And the, what you have to do is find what that assumption is by asking them questions and you know, understanding what's making them think that so that you can 
correct it by just explaining the the truth of what's going on. No, I don't want to take your job. I want you to be able to do more jobs because I'm looking at the projections for the next year and our business is going to double. And last October, you wanted to crawl into a hole for three hours at the end of the day because we had so many calls coming in that you couldn't do your job and you were going crazy. I want to fix that problem for you. It's a very different way of presenting what we're doing. And to get there, you need to have that conversation. So we're almost a year into uh, this COVID-19 situation that's affected a lot of businesses worldwide, uh, especially, of course, a unique uh, view into it here in the United States. But what do business owners uh, that you talk to, what, what do they say about this technology and this philosophy in light of covid I think they're even more grateful to have it in their businesses now. Uh, a lot of what we're doing is providing another option than you know what you used to do is get up from your desk and walk down the hall and talk to somebody about the questions that you had. Or you just spin your chair around and yell over your shoulder, hey, what'd you talk to about that call last week? And you get an answer. What we're able to do is provide a different path for you to replace those things that COVID has taken away from the way your business runs. And maintaining uh, the flow of your business. Right? The day-to-day the -day of a business, regardless of whether you're in person in an office or you have remote workers or somebody's on vacation, if correctly set up with both you know effective operations and and some automation on top of it shouldn't have to change and what we're really giving you is the ability to make a choice of okay you know this is working really well i would like to save the three thousand dollars i have to spend on a, you know an office somewhere maybe it's the ten thousand dollars i have to spend an office somewhere and I can spend a thousand dollars for just a couple people that I want to have together, give an option to. We're providing resources to solve the very real problems that have come up for a lot of businesses in the past year. We've been visiting with Richard Schnitzel and he's an expert in business automation. And uh, this is a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. And uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're going to give you information on how you can find out more about Richard and how to contact him in just a second. Richard, I've got a standard list of closing questions I ask every guest that comes on the program, and I'll shoot these to you in rapid-fire succession. Sounds good. All right, number one, what is the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? The best memory? Uh my honeymoon with my wife in New Zealand. We spent three weeks in a van without an itinerary uh, and essentially disconnected from the rest of the world because you know we didn't have cell service really over there and we just got to explore and enjoy life. Who's the number one hero in your life? Uh, that would definitely be my mom, Michelle. What's the top value you subscribe to? Showing up every day as your real self and doing your best to you know, drop the walls that 
you've created. Who's the most important person in your life? I think it sounds a little cliche, but definitely my wife. Uh, I've been with her for 14 years and I can confidently say that I would not be where I am if she was not part of my life. It's not cliche. What's her name? Sarah. What's your favorite thing? My favorite thing? Uh, my life. Uh, uh, I'm very blessed in, in what I have and the opportunities that I've come across and what I've been able to do with them. And I'm very happy of what I've been able to build. What's your favorite food? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, cream, kielbasa, and sauerkraut. <laughs> what is the most beautiful place you've ever been to? New Zealand. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Freedom. How do you want to be remembered? As someone who was present. If you could go back and give some advice to a young Richard, what would the advice be? That everything will break, but that doesn't mean that you can't fix it. So stop worrying about the negative outcomes and focus on the positives and live your life. What's your favorite sound? Loons on a lake on a cold night. And finally, what is the best lesson you've learned? Oh, uh, um, that having the courage to be the first, the first to apologize, the first to walk through a door, the first to do anything, the emotional benefits of doing that far outweigh the emotional negatives. Fantastic. Tell everybody how to reach out to you and find out more about you. You can go to my website, richardschnitzel.com. There's a link there to book a call with me. If you want to chat about anything and everything, love to talk with you. All right. I was thinking it was probably going to be automated, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Richard Schnitzel, everybody. Go and check him out. Find out more. He's got a lot to offer you uh, to uh, make your business more efficient through good automation. I'll have your uh, leadership and business lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. The 2021 Subaru Forester. A spacious interior with everything you need for confidence on the road ahead. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus 33 miles per gallon. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. It's the SUV for all you love. Test drive one of these today and you could drive one home tonight. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and today on the program, we're talking about culture and specifically how you enforce the rules as a leader sets the tone for your culture. Now, leaders and people of authority in an organization always have the ability to set the parameters for the organization's culture and atmospheric feel. No matter how open, accepting, or creative you want your work climate to be, at some point or another, you're going to have to be the one who puts authority and enforcement behind a few rules. Wouldn't it be great if everyone just did what was right and acceptable for the betterment of the company all the time? Well, sure, but it's not very realistic in my experience. Here are a few ways that you can enforce your rules and non-negotiables when you're called up to do so as a leader. Number one. Start with what's good and right. Everyone has things they do right and perform well. Your approach to this will probably need to vary in uh, different situations as you don't want the employee to just sit and wait for the negative improvement-oriented things you're about to say. Leading with good stuff in various ways is a good way to start the conversation. Number two, explain your reasons you need to see improvement. Even though the issues may seem like common sense to you, there are reasons you have been elevated in your position and they have not been, at least not yet. So you need to offer a helping hand of understanding to them about why the issues are important both to you and the organization. You know, one thing to think about is someone probably did this for you at some point, which led to learning on your part and the ability to get promoted. You don't want to rob them of that same experience. Number three, appeal to their self-interest. Yes, self-interest. People do things according to their self-interest, what's important to them. So you need to show them how adhering to the rules will further their career and help them in the long run. Be careful not to explain this from your point of view, but try to get into their viewpoint. The best way to do this is to ask them questions about the benefits and consequences of continuing their current action versus making an adjustment. What will serve them best in their future? Number four, do not leave the meeting without clarity. People cannot thrive in confusion or abstraction. When you're trying to chart the clear course, expect a lot of questions to be asked. If you don't get some questions, you've either done a phenomenal job, you're getting begrudging compliance, or they just don't understand. So you got three things. You either did a great job if they don't have questions, you're either getting begrudging compliance, they don't agree with you, but they're going to do it begrudgingly, or three, they just don't get it. Getting understanding, agreement, and alignment is the ultimate trifecta in this interaction. Set up the playing field with your people so they know where the boundaries clearly are. Let them know how much flexibility they have and where the lines that cannot be crossed are without some form of communication and authorization. Ultimately, what you allow and do not allow and how it's communicated partially sets the tone for the culture in your organization. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Check out our website at clearvisiondevelopment.com for lots of information and leadership resources. You can follow us on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and at ClaireVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. 
Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.